Oh, first beat of the year. <laughs> yeah. Wait for the drop, everybody. Won't be the last. No, definitely not. Chip and Eric reading through the Bible. Eric, this is day number five. I know, we're almost done. Day number five. So that means it's January the 5th. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that the Hebrew calendar had 360 days in the year? Oh, wow. Which means we have one Hebrew year till we're done. Can't, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Pretty close, right? Pretty close. We're almost there. Almost. Yeah. Hey, so right. yesterday we read about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. We read about the War of Kings. We read about Melchizedek. We read about the confirmation again of the covenant between God and Abram. We read about uh, Hagar and Ishmael, mm. and Hagar met God. Yeah. And God saw her. And mm-hmm. yeah, so today we're going to continue. We're going to pick up here, and like you said, in Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Mm -hmm. Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Yeah. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I'll make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It'll no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you'll be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to be to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased." All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. And she'll become the mother of many nations. King of nations will be among her descendants. And Abraham bowed down to the ground But he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and bless his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you've asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confined with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, including those born there and those he had bought. Then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins, just as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, was 13. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on that day, along with the other men and the boys of the household. Wherever they were born, 
whether they were born there or brought as servants, all were circumcised with him. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to his tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to a servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shades of the tree. Where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I'll return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. Well, Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So... She laughed silently to herself, and she said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? Don't read into that. <laughs> and the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no. No, you did laugh. You, you did. did laugh. You did. Sarah, I heard you. <laughs> yeah. I even heard you laugh. Don't argue with God. Then the men got up from their meal and looked out towards Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked? For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord said to Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why, you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find fifty righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again, Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord. Even though I am but dust and ashes, suppose there are only forty-five righteous people rather than fifty. Will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are only forty. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of the forty. Please don't be angry at me, Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20. 
And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only ten are found there. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. And when the Lord finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. That evening the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home and wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh, no, they replied, we'll just spend the night here in the city square. But Lot insisted, so at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please, leave these men alone, for they are my guests and under my protection. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider. And now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house while they gave up tr- so they gave up trying to get inside. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot, Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked. Get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else, for we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels came, became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hands, his hand in the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, Run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Oh no, my lord, Lot begged. You've been so gracious to me and saved my life and you have shown such great kindness. But I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up with me there and I would soon die. See, there is a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. All right, the angel said, I'll grant your request. I will not destroy the little village, but hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. This explains why the village was known as Zoar, which means little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them, along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was falling behind them, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early that morning and hurried out to the place where he stood in the Lord's presence. He looked out across the plain toward Sodom and Gomorrah and watched as columns of smoke rose from the cities like smoke from a furnace. But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from disaster that engulfed the cities of the plain. 
Afterward, Lot left Zoar because he was afraid of the people there, and he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. One day, the older daughter said to her sister, There are no men left anywhere in this entire area, so we can't get married like everyone else, and our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get him dr drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine, and the older daughter went in and had intercourse with her father. He was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. The next morning, the older daughter said to her younger sister, I had sex with our father last night. Let's get him drunk with wine again tonight, and you go in and have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine again, and the younger daughter went in and had intercourse with him. As before, he was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became an ancestor of the nation now known as the Moabites. When the younger, younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Ben-Ami. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Ammonites. That's our reading. Wow, great. Whoa. What a great reading. Man, I mean, we think of our culture today, and it's a very, you know, sexual, deviant culture we live in, but look at this. You know what, though? I was thinking about that while we were reading this. Okay. I, I say often that a lot of the sexual um, depravity that we see around us mm -hmm. is a socially transmitted disease. Right, so we see sex and sex and sex and sex and sex everywhere, mm -hmm. and we see all the deviations of it, whether it's homosexuality or or yeah. gender dysphoria or whatever it is. We see that, and then certain people see those things, and it's like they see them and then go out and have to do them. And I'm just thinking, Lot was a righteous man, mm -hmm. but his daughters were raised in this world full of this horrible sexual yeah. promiscuity. Yeah. And even Lot wasn't innocent. He tried to throw his daughters out to those dudes, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like he was so immersed in the culture. Immersed. And his daughters were so immersed in the culture, they didn't even think twice about this little plan of theirs. Mm -hmm. Because sexual sin is socially transmitted. Mm -hmm. And we see that here so blatantly. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So true. So, two semi-ordinary pastors reading an extraordinary book so yep. full of some really weird stuff to some wonderful people. And we have two and seven-eighths questions in mind. And that's, <laughs> what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about us? And that, and then in light of those two things, how should we live? Yeah. Well, one thing, a lot of things came to mind, but I was thinking, you know, God doesn't care how old we are. That's true. You know, he, he doesn't care nope. how old we are nope. to do what he wants done. That's right. And I was thinking about that recently with what's, you know, going on, you know, and in, in what God has for me, what's next in, in, in the people in our church and, and what some of them are going to be called to do. And, yeah. and I, I kept telling myself, you know, I guess I kept hearing the voices of like, I'm too old, I can't do this, and mm. it's time for other people to step up. And, and there's some truth to that. But at the same time, like, just because you're old doesn't mean you're done. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you're but, breathing. But a lot of people think that. No, you're right. They really do. And they live that way. And they just kind of retire off at church, retire off whatever. Some people retire well, and they're more busier for God now than ever before. And that's awesome. But some people don't, you know, and they're just let, let's the next generation do it. And they just kind of bow out and vegetate and do whatever. But that, 99 years old, you know, and serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. That's what God called him to do. Keep yeah. going, he said. I don't yeah. care how old you are. He doesn't care. Serve me faithfully and, and live a blameless life and go after it. So that's kind of a little bit of both what 
us and God in us. God doesn't care how old we are, and we are to serve him faithfully no matter how old we are. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think, you know, that can go – so we see it as age in this story, but that can go a million different ways. You know, God doesn't care what your past is. Once you've come to Christ, you know, it doesn't matter what you spent those previous years doing. He says, live a righteous life and serve me faithfully now. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's so many things that God does not care about Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. it comes to you and the excuses that we may have to say, no, I'm not qualified to this for this thing that you have put before me. I'm not qualified for you to use me. Um, you know, in this story. We've got young people failing and failing and failing, right? Yeah. Like we've got this, these yeah. daughters. And even Lot was the nephew of Abraham, which sure. means he was younger than yep. Abraham. That's right. So we've got young people who are failing. We've got old people who don't feel qualified. And you're right, man. I mean, we see that in the church today too, right? The, the younger generation, there are some strong and mighty Christians in the younger generation. But widely what we see in a general sense, not in our church specifically, but in a general sense, we see young people failing the church, the next generation, Generation Z, you know, the younger millennials, even my demographic of the older millennials failing the church. And then we see the the people who are older and more seasoned and have been in church forever. And they've got, you know, the Bible knowledge from being around and they've got the disciplines down from being around. We don't see them reaching across the gap to the generation. We see this resentment you know, of like, oh, well, you're letting us down. You know, it's, this is your church now and you need to step up. And, yeah, right. and you know, so I think that there's a lot of truth to yeah. everything that you just said, Chip. God doesn't care how old we are. Quite frankly, I don't care how old we are either. Yeah. And, you know, if God's calling you to it, it's like we said a couple of days ago, he's going to He's gonna empower you to do it. I also have another one. Let's go. Oh, gee, I know. I love it. So we're, uh, what does it tell, tell us about God? Number two, I think God... Um, does not want us to be immersed with a sensual, sexual, perverted culture. Mm -hmm. And we see this, sent the angels, questioned Lot, do you have any other relatives in the city, they ask, uh, and saying, get them out of this place. Yeah. Get them out of here. Your sons-in-laws, your sons and daughters, or anyone else, get them out of here. We're going to destroy this, so get them out. And so I think as, you know... um, uh, you know, specifically as, as parents, you know, with, with kids, you know, um, we got to get them out of certain evil, secular, mm-hmm. uh, earth-minded things, you know, because it's dangerous, it's deadly, and that's friendships or relationships. And I told my wife, and we tell our kids, the thing we're going to fight fight you the most are who are your friends? Mm-hmm. Because your friends can make you or break you. They can lead you up or bring you down. Yeah. And we will fight that battle. And I've had to do it this past year. And it's not fun, and it's a tough, tough job as a parent. But sometimes, get them out of here. Yeah, it's a lot better than burning up. Yeah, get them out, right. Yeah. And we did that with one of our kids this year. We got them out of a certain place because it was very bad. Mm. And it uh, wasn't good. So that tells us about God. And then we got to do our part and just get them out and protect them the best we can while we have them um, from these secular, dangerous, evil things that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what that tells us about God is you're right. He doesn't want us to have any part of that. Mm -hmm. And what that tells us about us is um, sometimes distance is the best prevention, right? Like we, I mean, whether we're being sincere about it or maybe being a little insincere about it, I think sometimes we put ourselves in those places we know we don't belong because we say things like, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll influence them. Yeah, you know, all influence. Sure. No, sure. no, that's not always how it works. Sometimes, right. 
But not as a kid. God got them out of there. Yeah, not as a kid. They were done. Yes. And so I think sometimes we make the excuse of, well, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to change them. When really what we're saying is I want to go in there and be a participant. I'm not going to change anything. But it sure is easy to make the excuse that I'm going to be some sort of uh, missionary to that. And God just doesn't want anything to do that. What fellowship can light have with darkness? Mm right and Very so good. we just see that hey it's thank good. you guys so much for tuning in today yeah. thank you yes all right eric we're moving along day six wow. coming right up first five days done wow day Woo. six we're almost done <laughs> can't believe it hey we're so proud of you share this with friends and family we're still in that window where they want to join it they can binge it pretty quickly yeah and uh and then we encourage you to do that so it's great stuff can't wait see you guys tomorrow all right bye